Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Well, we've got a great guest today. And, you know, it is such a hard time for teens when they lose a family member. And Chris Friedman lost her dad in a plane accident when she was 19 years old. She's the executive director of Billy's Place. And Billy's Place is in Glendale, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And through her experience with her dad and her loss as a teen, and also knowing a friend who lost a child early, she has been passionate about helping people and helping children as they walk through the journey of grief. So she's going to have some great ideas for you if you're walking through that journey yourself today. Welcome to the show, Chris Friedman. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Your dad died in an accident when you were a teenager at 19. And I know you talked about it. Uh, you did some things that weren't great after that, right? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I, um, so I was 19 and, and my brother and I were actually flying a small plane with my dad. And um, You were we in were, the plane with him? We were on the plane with him, yes. I had Whoa. a nine-year-old brother and I was 19. And we, were, uh, we, had a fam- we had a business in Canada and we were flying from Canada to actually Alaska to drop off our airplane because my dad was a, uh, a head of a counseling department at a, a community college back in Illinois. And he just took a, took a sabbatical and decided he was going to buy a flying service in Alaska. It's kind of crazy. We we're a pretty traditional family up until a certain point. And all of a sudden, dad just felt like he was just kind of bored with life the way it was and wanted to really get out there. He had his pilot's license. He was always kind of doing things different and um, increasing, kind of increasing his knowledge in and and just trying like new ventures. And this one was um, to drop off our airplane up in, um, up in Alaska. And we were in route to Alaska and uh, we got, we had a float plane. So we got in a plane accident and uh, he drowned. Yeah, my brother and I are in the plane. How did you get out? Well, I believe, you know, it's so all the years of telling the story and replaying the story in my head. And and what's so interesting is part of me wonders if uh, if the story is really what I thought it was, right? Because for so long, you know, you kind of tell the story and you imagine it and everything else. Uh, He... um, I believe when he knew the plane was going to, you know, we had tried to get off the, the water a couple of times and the plane was super heavy because we had just filled up with gas. Um, it was a float plane, but we had the wheels in it. And um, so the plane just had a lot of weight in it. And um, when we were trying to take off, we were in really murky, you know, crazy wavy water. And we just couldn't get off the, the water before we hit a larger body of water where it was really turbulent. After the plane had crashed and um, went upside down and started filling up with water. And it was a float plane and the plane accident happened and it went upside down the floats were still holding the plane but the plane was underwater i take my seatbelt off and I, I reached for my brother in the back seat and i grabbed him and the both of us climbed up on top of the plane and we kind of stood on this plane that was like in the water kind of you know going crazy 
Um, so I took and I put him, I had him straddle the floats. And um, then I went to swim to try to help my dad because he was still, he was in the water not too far away. But when I'd gotten to him, he had a big bump on his head and um, couldn't swim. And eventually after several attempts of trying to help him, he went underwater and, and ultimately oh drowned. Oh my God, how the heck have you processed this as well as you have? What have you gone through? Tell us, how have you gotten to where you can tell this? Um, there are times I tell it and I cry and it's sad. So, you know, you never know which way it's going to go, right? So one way, you, one day you can tell it and you feel really healthy about it and you feel good about it. And other days, it's just sad and it, and it evokes all these emotions. Like we tell our families at Billy's Place, you know, the grief waves where, you know, one day you're like, hey, I got this and you could do something. And the next day you're like, oh boy, all this, this emotion's coming out. But acknowledging that and recognizing that over time is is pretty special because it, it it lets you be present in whatever you're feeling at that time right right um, I think for myself I knew nothing about grief and nothing about grieving and I think a big thing that I did was I you know I talked to my friends I cried and cried and I talked to my friends it was after my senior year of high school and I drank and and when I drank and I drank enough, I would be emotional. So then I'd cry a lot. So it was, it was a process. And I had actually, um, about, wasn't even a year later, it was several months later, I ended up getting a DUI. So I, I got in trouble and I swear that was probably my saving grace. Right. So it was a thing that was like, okay, stop doing this type of behavior. This isn't healthy. But, um, but I, maybe early on it was healthy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, we say, oh yeah, you can't do this or you can't do that. But maybe right. early on, it was all, you had to go to a certain point and get the way. What I needed, right? Yeah. Well, I think I'll, I think the drinking made me a little bit more vulnerable. So I was able to cry a lot. Like, you know, I wasn't like, I'd end the night that way all the time. And I was so lucky. I had, I, I do say all the time, it's in here, Billy's Place, like we, I mean, talk about it. Talk, if you're sad, it's okay to be sad. If you're mad, it's okay to be mad. If you're, and I, and not that I knew it at the time, but I allowed myself all those different moments, you know, those times. And, and I felt, you know, I think, it's interesting because my mom doesn't remember a lot of it, but I remember things my mom told me. And when my mom told it to me, it was like, it, that stuck with me all these years. And I think my mom's like, I don't remember saying that, but, but I, I, I did. I remember mom saying different things, which just kind of led me to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more accepting to many things or the way I looked at things. We never talked about it, but it was decided that we were going to cremate his body. And that was one thing. And with that being said, um, I, I think at first I was like, oh, we can't do that. That's horrible. You know, that seems terrible. And my mom, you know, like, she's like, you know, his body was just a shell and that everything that he is, isn't in his body anymore. And it, it really gave me some peace with the fact of that we were going to cremate him. And I feel that way about myself as well. So um, it, it was important the way your mother, your mother dealt with it. Modeling behavior, right? If, yeah, if you don't talk behavior. about it and yeah. if it's a, if it's a bad subject and, you know, even with our kiddos here, like I, I, my specialty is teens and yeah, yeah. We have a crew called yeah, grief. It's young adult grief. And I love that age group because I can relate. I'm a big communicator and I swear that is what got me through everything I got through, like all about communication and, and just 
allowing myself to feel and and accepting what I was feeling. Um, so I, I think the communication thing is just huge. Peer to peer support. There have just been a big study done uh, with trauma. And the two things were education, which you are certainly giving and talking about your own experience and peer to peer support. Huge. Mm -hmm. Both of those things. So, so great. So get some peer to peer support if you're a teenager, right? Oh, 100%. It's so interesting because in my YAG yeah grief groups, I'll talk to the kids and they'll say, gosh, you know, we had, um, um, I had these friends I used to eat lunch with all the time, right? Friends I hung out with all the time and now I don't have any friends anymore. And I think how interesting it is that we isolate ourselves, that we, you know, I, I talk to these kids and I think, you know, and I, I think why, you know, why are you isolating yourself and why are you feeling that you don't have those same friends anymore? And, and I believe when I hear them talk about it, I think, we just feel so alone and we just feel like nobody understands. And we feel like they're going on with their life. Like here's somebody special in our life has died and their life just moves on. They wake up every day. They have their family unit the way it was where our life has been turned upside down. So I think that um, it's just so crazy when I, when I hear kids say, I just don't have friends. I, young adults say, I just don't have friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And not like I used to. And I think, I don't want to say we do that to ourselves, but I just believe that we isolate ourselves because we feel like people don't understand, but we kind of don't give them, we don't give them the option. We don't, we don't give them the option to stay present with us and just if cry and feel for us and feel with us if that's how we're feeling, you know? Well, it's so hard because teens have to go on. I mean, they have to go to school. And after he died, and after I kind of tried a couple different things like job, working and thinking, I, I'm working and I'm not making any good money and this and that. And it took that maturity for me to go back to school. And, and how long do was that. it after he died? About a year and a half. See, that's one of the problems. Kids don't get that year and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about I, your brother? I know everyone wants to know how he's done and has he done as well as you? And you um, Well, he was nine. And so he, um, you know, it, you know, you think about the different things. I remember when we were, cause we were, we were traveling. So we were in a hotel in Montana when, you know, after the accident happened, we were in a hotel. My sister drove from where she lived in Montana. My mom drove from where she was at. So we all met there until we got the plane out of the water until they searched for his body. Cause they couldn't find his body. Yeah. Um, it took two weeks for his body to actually oh, come back up yeah. after the, yeah. after the couple, couple things on that one. The one thing, the one takeaway I am, I am a pretty positive person, so it's like, it's not unusual that I think this way, but one thing was how amazing that community was. It was actually in Fort, uh, Fort Peck Reservoir in Glasgow, Montana. And we were there for about a week and everybody, we go eat dinner someplace and people pick up our tab. I remember the girl that worked in the hotel where we were at, she took me to a movie one night because I was, you know, a 19 year old girl. Um, I remember we checked out from our hotel and people were like, oh, you're, it, it was covered. Somebody paid for it. Teachers in the school, in the area, like people just didn't know us, but knew our story and wanted to help us. So that was something that was just so cool to come out of something so traumatic, right? Mm. Um, but um, so there's that. And then um, I think about like, you know, with being there and everything else and with my brother and I, it, 
I think about all the different conversations we had and being a nine-year-old boy with magical thinking, you know, he's like, well, wait, Chris, could he have, you know, gotten to the bottom of the water? Could he have walked somewhere? Is he alive still? Like, I remember just sitting with my brother trying to get him to understand the permanency of death, you know, that no, Mark, you know, he's dead. He's not coming back, you know, and, and not knowing what I know now, but also because we're very, we do concrete stuff here. I think about my brother um, and all the thoughts he had. He was 18 when he started really being upset at times and we didn't understand why, because here we thought he was nine when dad died. He's right. now 18. How is grief coming out now? We had no clue that it took, you know, we always just thought he's fine typical boy of the house. So he was the man of the house. He felt like he couldn't cry around us. He felt like he had to be strong for us. And in turn, it took eight years for him to even think or talk about it. And it took that long, right? So the thought that everybody thinks, gosh, it's been this long. And even the difference between my sister's grief, like my husband was, we're both, we're with the men we're with now. And my husband was like, always so awesome to listen and listen and listen. He might not have been listening at all, but that's okay. He acted like he was listening. <laughs> and um, my sister's husband was a little bit more like, hey, it's been five months, get over it, you know? And she's got, she's handled it a lot worse than I have. I've been given that time to work through stuff where she was kind of like, all right, that's enough. You're, aren't you done grieving yet? So, and her husband is great, but he just looks at it so differently, you know? Mm -hmm. My brother doesn't talk about it too much. He doesn't, you know, I don't know that he's ever been really healthy about how he's handled grief. He's, he's, he's a male, so he's a little bit more inclined to not want to be vulnerable with it probably. So I wish, I wish he'd do more here at Billy's Place because I think it'd be really beneficial. So. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. awesome that you're doing the work you're doing and helping so many people. And thank you for being so up straight and honest and everything about your process. And if you had a couple of tips for somebody who is grieving right now, what would it be? Uh, I guess the communication piece, you know, we even see families that come in here and, and the ones that have a great support unit with one another and not being afraid, like honored their special person. Like my dad was never alive when my kids were born, but my kids would say like, oh, Grandpa Tony would have liked that or Grandpa Tony would have been like that. And I think how cool that is that I've been able to honor his life and even the next generation knows about him. So I think that's one thing is, is on, don't be afraid to talk about it. You all may cry together. Together. It may be sad, but it's okay because I think it's a really great way to honor somebody. Um, I think that's a big one. And I think just communication, don't feel like you're bothering your friends, you know, just, just keep talking. And I just feel like people can handle it and, and, and um, feel healthier, you know, moving forward. And, um, you know, peer to peer support. I mean, find, find those people, find those people that have gone through something like you have and, and connect with them and just feel like you're not alone. Cause, cause you're not, there's a lot of people that want to talk about it. So find those people, find your tribe, right? <laughs> find your tribe. Hey, and also remember that some of your friends may want to take you to a movie like that gal did and, and right. be open to being with your play friends also. Yeah. And it doesn't have to always be about talking about it. It might just be, we say all the time, it's that being present, just being present, 
you know, to, to ask somebody, what do you, what can I do for you? Hey, I'm here for you. If you need me, it's not about that. It's about, I'm going to pick up pizza and bring it over tonight for dinner. Um, you know, I'm going to just come and sit with you and you know, whatever it might be, just be present and don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk about the special person. Don't be afraid to acknowledge that there's, that we're sad and there's a loss. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, how do people find Billy's Place? Um, we are at www.billysplace.me, and um, we're in the west, um, the west suburbs of Phoenix. We're just starting a golden grief group for seniors who have oh. suffered the loss, possibly of a, a spouse of 50 years or 40 years or 60 That's years. Fabulous. I've been married for uh, 60. Oh, congratulations. Well, you look good <laughs> either, ma'am. You look pretty darn good. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. And thank you for all the work you do in supporting families and particularly the, your grieving teen work. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Chris, always want to remind everybody that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.